Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. All right. Well, uh, we've been uh, just just thinking about the whole series, you know, sort of um, holistically here. We're stopping in Romans 8. We're going to skip Romans 7. I just want to end on a really high note just because I like to do that. It's the way I am. So um, we, we preached out of Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you missed it, you can get it online. But ver- chapters 1, 2, 3, and really even 4 are very much about who you are as a sinner. <laughs> and that life without Jesus is terrifying. And the, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But it's in him. Can I get a holla? Come on. So it's in Christ Jesus, and that's where we find ourselves, Romans, uh, into 4, 5, and all the way through 6, is our life in righteousness, our life found in Him. What does it look like? And we see this tension between our old nature and our new nature, and we're talking about that over the last couple weeks, is that we have an old nature. Our old man, he hangs around until we get fully separated from him when we end up in eternity. When your body physically dies for real, then your spirit man gets a glorified body now to be in that's in alignment with him, her, whoever you are, right? And so that's going to be a good day where we're not dragging around this old dead body anymore, this mortal body. Somebody's giving me a holler over there, a little baby praise going on. So here's what we're going to look at. There's important things that we need to see. So You need to understand truly your position in Christ. When you do, it changes the way you live. What you believe, what you understand shapes what you do, what your destiny is. So we want to navigate that destiny, don't we? We want to live with this this whole message is about us being a life in the Spirit. But in order to do that, you need to identify a few things. One, you have to know you're in a battle. There's a real battle. And when you go into battle, you need to identify a couple of things. One, the battleground. Two, your enemy. Three, your resources. There might be other things, but those are the three things I want to talk about. So the battleground, your enemy, and your resources. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. These are the only passages I'm reading from chapter 7. You can read it on your own if you want. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Anybody can relate. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched woman I am. Depends on who you are. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's what we're going to launch into today. So Father, in Jesus' name, bring revelation, freshness, newness, renewing of mind to us. We pray that you would strengthen us. Help us to see the battleground, the enemy, and our resources in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So where is the war? What did this passage tell us? Where's the war? It's in your mind. It's an inner war. What? Say what? You have a war going on, so we're going to define the battleground. Where is it? It's inside you. It's not outside of you. It's not at McDonald's. Some of us think we have a battle with fast food, and there's like a demon on top of the McDonald's sign. 
come to me. Eat my burgers. It's no demon making you eat that hamburger, yo. You're choosing to eat that burger. That war's going on inside you. It's not on the outside. Like, that's why I stay away. It's the demon on top of McDonald's. That's why I don't eat there. This inner world, this battle, we, see, if, you, if there's a battle and you don't know where the battleground is and you're fighting in the wrong place, you're wasting your time. Fighting air, doing nothing. If you're out on the mountaintop swinging your spiritual sword around to knock a demon off the mountain, you're not fighting the battle. You're just moving air molecules. There's a war, there's a real battle, and you gotta be on the right battlefield. And you gotta know your enemy. Revelation 12, 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now have come the salvation and power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers who accused them before God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of their lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. The real enemy, and he's really prowling around like a lion to see whom he may devour. How does he fight now? Where does he fight us? Okay, well, there's a battleground that's, 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 that's like chosen, and it's inside you. The battleground is now for the territory of your life, of your heart. What's going on inside? Because he knows that if he can get you to see things wrong or believe something wrong or different about you or believe you don't have power, then all of a sudden he renders you powerless. Because the only way you don't have power is if you choose to not use it. I'm going to prove it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. And this is the key to everything today. In, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The New Living says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loved us. This word is one of my favorite words. Uh, uh, the more than conquerors is this word in the Greek that's hypernikio, which means super victorious. It's a cool word. To overpower in victory, to be abundantly victorious, prevail mightily, or a supernatural victory, super victorious. Kind of a rad word. And it means like this. You go into the battlefield. You ever see in, in these medieval movies that I never watch, of course. <laughs> I don't watch them every day. I, I do like medieval conflict. I don't know why. It's so fun. Wouldn't be fun to be in. Just kind of cool to watch. Braveheart lining up against old English, and they're just going, clanging swords and other weird things that they do and then they rush into battle and you watch them fight and they go back and forth and then all of a sudden one side starts to get momentum and then all of a sudden overwhelms the other side and they get victory and then they always glab their glab their glab their snippergen right and snort their yeah look for 
sword. They grab their flag and they start to wave it or their sword and he throws it and he's like, yeah, victory. You and I don't fight like that. Supernatural victory. Hypernikio, it's super victorious. So when we go onto the battlefield, what happened was when Jesus, see, Jesus went into the battlefield. Where's the battlefield? It, it, yeah, but it's in you and specifically in your mind and you. Jesus came into us, into our human bodies, right? He became a human in human nature form, Philippians 2, comes in and he lives a perfect life and then he dies for us. And on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. We find other passages say that he went into hell and he took the keys from the enemy, whatever the heck that really means, who knows? But we know that he took the keys, the authority of heaven and earth. He has all authority. Matthew 28 says he has it all. And who does he say he gives it to now? Us. You're like, what? Yeah. He gives all authority to us, but he purchased it, and he said it's finished. So it's finished. What was finished? The battle, the war over authority. Who has authority? He took it. He commanded it, and then he goes, here's the keys to the new car, kids. Let's go play. And that's us. Let's go have some fun. So many times we view our life in Christ as this measuring up. we got to grind it out and work, and it's this big war. we got to fight this medieval battle. Ah! The war that we have to fight, there is a battleground. But it's with a powerless enemy and a powerless old nature. So how does it get power? Because we know, we see this struggle. He goes, in Romans 7, he goes, but there's still this struggle. There's this struggle waging war against me. What's really going on? Okay, it's this war in your mind to understand who has authority, and it's about what you believe about your authority, then how you live in it once you believe it. So Romans chapter 8, verse 1, one of the most pivotal passages, maybe the most pivotal passage in the entire Bible regarding sin. Besides, Jesus forgives us for sin, okay? Then it's how we feel about sin. Because you, you know you can be totally forgiven for sin, but if you believe you're a giant disaster and mess because of the sin, and you're unclean and you're trash and you're garbage because you just messed it all up and there's nothing you can do anymore because you're just too dirty and too gross. You're just grossing the Lord out. It's like, you're just too stinky for me. You can't gross the Lord out. You can't gross out Jesus with your sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Therefore, there is now no, say no, no. none, say none, nada. nada. <laughs> is there any other words for no in the whole world language? Zilch, none. Nit, nine. <laughs> All right, what is it else? Come on. <laughs> My German friends in the group. There is nine condemnation for those who are now in Christ Jesus. <laughs> no? Is that not right? Okay, it wasn't even close. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. You don't get it. You, don't, you are not allowed to experience condemnation for your sin. Well, you're not to, you don't have to. But if you do, 
then you allow the enemy to get leverage on you. You give it to him. You have the authority, and now you say, oh, no, I don't want this anymore. I like believing I'm dirty and gross and not good. I give it back to you, and then he starts to crank on you. Because where, where does he, where does he le get leverage on you? Where does that happen? In your mind, right? Okay, so he starts to get leverage on your mind, starts to try to get you, dominate you in the way you think. Let's go Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to, or in other versions it says, or are dominated by, okay, so those who live according to the flesh or the sinful nature, or dominated by the sinful nature, have their minds set on or think about what the flesh or sinful nature desires. But those who live according with the Spirit have their minds set on or think about what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, or by the sinful nature is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Okay, so now the battle's in us, but now we're seeing specifically the battle where the enemy is attacking is in your mind. In your mind, what you think on. So there's this passage in James 1.14. Uh, Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. What? They drag us away from the desires. Uh, drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. We have to see what's going on. Is that you and I, if we go fight this battle in our physical bodies, and we start to just try to, 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 to attack where the sin is manifesting, we're going to lose. So let, let me give you an example. So if, if we, you know, sometimes we, we ask ourselves like, oh my, well, I, this has never happened to me, so let's be specific. Uh, there are times when I've counseled with people and they go, oh, pastor, I don't know how in the heck I ended up at the bar. And then I don't know how I ended up out on the street, passed out drunk, and I woke up in the police station. I don't remember any of that. How in the world has that happened to me? You're going, what? But you know what? This happens more than you would imagine. Or, Man, I don't know, I never, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know how this happened to me that I'm just stooped and just drug into pornography and I can't get off of it. And my marriage is about to break up because of it. How did this happen? And you're like, I have to just stop doing it. And then you're like, I'm gonna stop doing, I'm throwing all my magazines away and I'm cutting off my internet and blah, blah, blah and all this stuff. Hey, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. You're fighting the battle in the wrong spot. Man, I don't want to control my kids anymore. I'm tired of just, just all of a sudden something happens, I snap, and I don't even know until I'm done yelling at them and freaking out. And I walk away going, what did I just do? I just raged like a maniac all over my child or my husband or my wife, whatever it happens to be. Just burst, outbursts of anger Oh, I have to stop doing that. Oh, in the name of Jesus, I just command my body to stop freaking out and yelling at people. 
You're fighting the wrong spot. You're fighting the wrong battle. Oh, I just command the bar to be shut down in Jesus' name. <laughs> I command all women in the entire world to wear all the clothing they should wear. It's not going to work. You're fighting the wrong battle. The battle starts in your mind. It starts as a seed. And what you start to think about you start to give leverage in your life. If you start to think about, oh, I don't know. If this happens, then my kids are going to, you know, not make it to college. And if they don't make it to college, then they're not going to have food. And they're not going to be able to eat. And then they're going to die. And so, oh, my gosh, my kid didn't bring his homework to school. You freaking child, take your schoolwork to school. Rage monster has shown up this morning to control your life because I'm so afraid that your whole world will collapse if you don't turn in your math and you're in kindergarten. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Dude, we do this. We behave like this and it makes no sense and our children are like, ah, I don't know who you are. I don't know how to behave. What are you thinking about all day? Oh my gosh, I'm so afraid of this and this and this. You've taken captive every little thought. If you give way to any seed thought of fear, you're gonna respond instead of trust. Oh God, I trust you with my kids' homework today. They're gonna figure it out somehow. You just Instead, I'm gonna bless them instead of control them in Jesus' name. Right? I'm gonna send them off with a blessing instead of control and fear and freak out. Rage. And how about these lustful thoughts. And we just, oh, I don't know how I ended up at the nudie bar. I'm just thinking about girls all day long, and I was thinking about it all the time, and I can't stop. It's like, okay, stop thinking about it in your mind. You don't take every thought captive. You're lonely. You're, you're distressed. You're like, how did I end up at the bar drinking my sorrows away? Okay, you got to take every single thought of loneliness captive. And God, I need intimacy with you. God, I need you. I need life by the Spirit, not life by the flesh. But you need it in every little moment, and it's, got, it's in your mind. It's in your thought. That's where the real battle starts. Because if the enemy can get you in the seed thinking, all of a sudden, he's going to grow that thing in, into a big tree in your life. Romans 8, 5, don't be dominated, right? Be dominated or governed by this thinking. We want to allow the life of the Spirit. See, we start to slip our minds over into life in the Spirit where we're allowing the Spirit man to govern us. We're in worship. We're in prayer. Right? Sometimes we fast, we fast to cut off the flesh and the, 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 our normal nature so that we hyper-focus all of our thought and attention instead on food and things we desire and now only into the things of the Spirit that give life. What does the things of the flesh give? Death. The things of the Spirit give life and peace. Oh man, you want peace. You want to break depression in your life. It's about every thought. It's about every thought. Every thought's got to be sown into the life and surrendered to the life in the Spirit. But we cannot be fooled into thinking 
that this old nature is a space that we can flirt around with and just live in because it has a governing nature to it. It wants to be in charge. Your old nature wants to be in charge and the devil wants to be in charge of your life to keep you from fulfilling your destiny in Christ because the entire world, all of even the rocks the Bible says, are moaning and groaning for the children of God to rise up and just believe who they are and behave who they are. And we start doing that, it's like everything begins to prosper and be blessed. And that's what God is intended for you is this life in the Spirit is so that you get to experience the fullness of his love every single day until you walk into eternity. But here's one of the things I want you to see is in verse seven, it says, the mind is governed by the flesh. The mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh or are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Like, it's actually a realm. It's a space that you go into. You're not actually made for anymore. It's your old habitat. And now you have a new habitat, which is this realm. It's a new realm of the Spirit. There is actually no mixture. They're not mixed. It's oil and water. Life in the Spirit, life in the flesh. The life in the flesh, you can go back into that old realm for some weird reason. We do this. <laughs> we think we're gonna find fulfillment here and then we just find death and, and unrest and brokenness. But it's a realm, it's a space that is still next to your real habitat. Your real new nature is the life in the spirit and the Bible says now you're a foreigner in this world. Because you have a life in the spirit, the, everybody else lives in the old land, right? Mordor, right? <laughs> and you live in Hobbiton, okay? You little Lord of the Ring nerds out there, you like that? There you go. But whatever one you decide to live in, you'll be controlled by. What do you want to be controlled by? Something that brings life to you? or takes over your life and presses you down with death. De death, that's so, all right. But if Christ is in you, verse 10, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You know, when you start to live in this new realm, when you start to surrender your mind and every thought into this new realm, God will take and resurrect every situation in your life. He has the full power. See, it's super victorious. Remember, more than conquerors, supernatural victory in your life. So when you, when you look at your marriage and it's a loveless, broken marriage because you've been living in the wrong realm, your mind has been on the wrong thing. You're not thinking about your spouse and a love relationship with God and a love relationship with your spouse. Then all of a sudden your marriage begins to deteriorate because that's in the world, that's in death. You're not praying into your marriage, sowing into your marriage, lo sowing love into your marriage. Okay, when you're not doing those things, your relationship starts to deteriorate. 
And you start to reap the reward of living in the wrong realm. Choosing to live in the wrong realm. Rather than living in the supernatural life of spirit life, where we're then building up our spells, praying over them, loving on them, paying attention to them, looking at them every once in a while. Hey, you've gotten old. <laughs> it's been 10 years, okay. 10 years, okay. No, not 10 years. Every day, we're sowing into our marriage and loving in our marriage, and we're, we're, we're putting seed in the ground, and we're supernaturally activating the things of the kingdom inside of our relationships. There isn't any marriage he can't resurrect, church. You got brokenness in your marriage or in your family, wherever it is. God wants to supernaturally show himself victorious in it. You just got to start sowing in it. But you have to believe that you have won. And the resurrection power of the life-giving spirit is in you. You just got to stir it up. Stir up the pot a little bit, right? You got to get it moving, get it activated. Every thought, every mind you have to take captive. You got to start sowing every thought into this life and the spirit. Okay, your worship life might be dead right now. You're like, I just show up and it's just motion and I, I got no heart, I got no connection. That's okay. Get, get out of the flesh, out of just the mechanics, and you get over and you start making a heart connection with the Lord and you start worshiping every day. How about we turn every day into a worship session? Not just Sundays, but every day we just get our heart. God, I'm just loving you today. You wake up with a song in your heart. And God, I just begin to just fall in love with you today. Move in my heart today. I bless you today. Speak to me today. Move in my life today. Right? You have a broken relationship. You have someone you can't, you're harboring bitterness towards and unforgiveness. That's life in the old realm. You've got to walk in forgiveness and in love. God, I, the Bible says, Jesus taught us to bless our enemies. Those who persecute us, who despitefully use us, we pray for them, we bless them. So man, every day you wake up and you start blessing those people, asking for prosperity in their life when they cheated you. You're like, that's weird. That's right. It is weird. God's love is weird. It's supernatural. It's not normal. It's over the top, crazy kind of love that doesn't make sense. It's beyond what we could ever do. And when we start to stir it up in our life, it begins this huge amount of activity that creates this beautiful life in peace, in joy. And we see supernatural things going on all around us. But you and I have to believe that this super victorious nature is in us and all we have to do is tap into it and step out of the old realm. Because what happens is, is this old realm is like a seed. This old life is like this tiny little acorn of sin that we think about and we stick in the ground. And when we stick that thing in the ground, it's, we become its mother hen sometimes. And we like to just settle down on that little acorn. Until it hatches. And boop, becomes a little tiny sapling. And all of a sudden, we keep focusing on this. And over time, we don't realize that we're all of a sudden living in this big tree house. In an oak tree, you're like, how did that little tiny acorn thought become a gigantic oak tree? It grows. 
And when you just keep nurturing and thinking about it, all of a sudden you're in this big, huge house of sin in this old realm because you nurtured it to that space. You have to know where you belong. You don't belong in this old realm, this old treehouse of sin. You belong in a mansion filled with gold. All right? Filled with unended treasure of God's riches and his love for you. That's where you belong. That's where you're made for. We have to step out of this space and we have to understand that that thing we were nurturing and sort of surprised us and caught us, caught up to us, that we nurtured from its little infancy up to something bigger, we kept feeding it. We have to understand that we have no obligation to it. Romans 8 verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh, but it's to live or to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you live to the Spirit, you will put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. The New Living says it like this. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. That's cool. See, when we build these tree houses in our life, and it's all this sinful behavior, there's other friends that come to hang out with us there. And we start to make relationship with them, and then we're like lonely, well, they're the only friends I can have, and they're at the bar, or they're at this other place, or wherever, right? And they fill these spaces of loneliness in our life, or acceptance, validation. But what we need is to know, you don't have an obligation to that treehouse. Your job's not to tend it, take care of it, or any of its inhabitants. Your obligation is to life in the Spirit. You don't have an obligation to all those people that you leave behind when you turn your back on the world. You don't. And you don't have an obligation to keep the drug lord in business if you're doing drugs. You don't have an obligation to that sin. You don't. You're not obligated. You don't have to do it. You can live in the spirit. You can live a new life. You can be broke free because you are super victorious in Christ. And the battlefield is in your mind. And you have total control of that space if you give your mind to the spirit of God. But it's every moment. You can't just slip over and go, well, I'll live in my treehouse of lust, of lying, of fear and control, of outbursts of anger, of doubt and bitterness. Oh, I'll just do that from time to time. You don't have that option. Every time you do that, you give over more leverage and control. You feed it. You give it power in your life. But you're an overcomer of sin. You're an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. You're super victorious. And here's where I want you to get this is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just because you've been living in that treehouse, the enemy wants you to feel like you just can't ever get out. And you have an obligation to live in that treehouse because you're just too dirty. You're not too dirty. You're not too broken. You're just in the wrong place. For the wrong time. Not just at the wrong time. For the wrong time. Just a time, as such a time as this, Christ died for the ungodly. He rescued you when you didn't even know you needed to be rescued, and when you didn't even ask, he came in and he swooped in and he said, I'm here. Superman Jesus, here to save your life. 
just rescued you right up out of that space. He said, you don't, don't have to do the cleaning. I'm going to do that for you. You don't have to chop down the tree. Psh, I got the ultimate axe. I got that sucker. It's done. Boom. I'm going to cut that tree house down, and I'm going to set you in a mansion. I'm going to set you in a life where every battle you fight, you're super victorious. You got to know where to fight your battles. You got to know where to take the Spirit of God in your life. Take it into your inner life with him. Take it into your prayer life. This is where we have to stir up our prayer life, folks. This is why our prayer life is so crucial, because your prayer life is your thought life. Your prayer life is your thought life. Your prayer life is your thought life. What you think about, what you pray about, you think about. This is where the Lord begins to speak to you. And then you give over control. You give over dominance to the Spirit in your prayer life and in your worship life primarily. But God wants you to be an overcomer of fear. He says that you did not receive, verse 15, you did not receive a spirit to live to fear, but rather a spirit that has this cries out of, of adoption, of sonship to the Father God. It says, Abba, Father, I need you. Right? You're made to belong. And when you begin to belong and your heart falls in love with your Father God, you're like rooted in this beautiful place where you're always winning. And the only time we're not winning is when we choose to not. It's just weird. It's weird. I'm with you. We all choose it. It's weird. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Verse 26. When we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit himself intercedes with words and groans and searches our hearts and minds, the heart and the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Isn't that rad? This is our prayer life, prayer in the spirit, praying in tongues, we call it a lot of times, is we give over control to the Lord and we let him then pray and renew our mind and recenter our mind. What then shall we say, verse 31, in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? When your God who has finished it all and that the work is completed has dominated the victory has dominated the field of battle and given you a complete supernatural victory, if that guy's for you, like who can be against you? There really is no battle. There's no fight to be fought except the one we give. Like we, we create ourselves. It's wild. Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, despite all these things or in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. More than a conqueror, and you can't ever be separated from it. This is good news. But here's the thing, God wants a really victorious church. Do you know why? 
it's not because he needs you to do it so that um, he's going to actually win and then we all end up in heaven. Because guess what? That's going to happen. Anybody chooses him, if all of us are just lame and terrible like Christians and we never lead anybody else to Jesus, that was kind of harsh. Okay, let's just say we're just not super awesome and we just live this non-victorious life. You know who wins still? God. We all go to heaven, it's great, and he finds, he's gonna find some people that wanna do it, but here's the reason why he wants you to work with him. It's because it's fun. It's fun. And he loves his children. And every good father wants to play with his kids. Wants to spend time with his kids doing something that's important. And he wants to be in relationship with his children. And so all those children that are alive today, he's passionate and cares about them and wants to see them in eternal relationship with him. And he wants you and I to be a part of that entire victorious lifestyle, that super victorious life that he purchased. He wants us to be in it with him because that's fun. But it's first as children of God, identified, rooted in knowing who we are in him. And from that place, we grow in our relationship with him, not to be accepted or measure up or be clean enough or good enough, but to be living in this supernatural lifestyle that just brings glory to him. Because he's so good and he's working in and through us and we get to experience his goodness. When his goodness is spilling out over everywhere, it is a lot of fun. It's way more fun than living in sin and living in a place that leads to death. So what are you gonna think about? What are you gonna set your mind on? Where are you struggling in your life right now? What sin, where have you, what have you, sin have you nurtured from acorn to oak tree and tree house in your life? And God's saying, I didn't make you for that. I made you for a supernatural lifestyle and I made you for breakthrough. I made you to live righteous in me. So what is it for you? We all have our thing. Where is God wanting to shift your thinking? Set your mind on him. Let's not walk out of here without changing something, without making a shift. We're gonna make a shift on what we think. Amen. Will you close your eyes with me? Let's pray, man. We're gonna take our life, our heart. We're just gonna surrender it to Jesus. Jesus, I give my life to you. Pray this with me. Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender it to you. You are my God and you are my Savior. Rescue me. Transform my life. Fill me with your love and change me forever to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.